Okay, so we're coming to the end. Remember, this is a letter. Uh, chapter one, live is Christ, die is gain, Christ is everything. Chapter two, the example of the humility of Christ. Chapter three, our righteousness is, our, is through faith in Christ. And then chapter four, that whole last week, stand firm in Christ, agree in Christ, rejoice in Christ. There's a lot of things that get reiterated, almost hammered away at in this book. And hopefully and prayerfully by this time, it's starting to hit home. Not just here, it's starting to really hit home. Um, one of the words that I'm really eager to get to in our text is that word learned. The message that we're about to hear from Paul, he's going to let us know twice. I had to learn this. And if you do a word study on the word learn, it's not just an intellectual knowledge. It's a life lesson. I had to experience this. The whole idea of this contentment in Christ, this satisfaction in Christ, this everything about Christ, it, it didn't just like, um, it's not just enough to just sit and read about this. It, it actually, I had to learn these things. And so if I could kind of summarize the, the, the rest of this letter that I hope to kind of help us see is that Christ is the source of our strength. He's the source of our faith. He's the source of everything, our joy. Like he's the source, he's the center. And the church, the believers, it's, it's a support. And, and we got to be careful because we, we don't want to mix up the two, you know? And I think Paul does a very careful and very good job of communicating that to these believers. He, he you know, he, he's kind of, if I could paraphrase it, he's like, bro, I'm so stoked you guys came through and helped out. I know it took a long time. I mean, some commentators say it's about 10 years since Thessalonica, but hey, you know, I'm just stoked that you guys came through. You blessed me. You sent gifts. You, you supported me. You're concerned about me. You care. And I'm so thankful to God for that. But I just want to be clear and let you know that it's not that I really need anything. It's not that I'm like, oh, no, you know, like, I, I'm not freak. Like, I'm good. I'm so good. Christ is everything. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But at the same time, I'm so grateful for your support. Paul wants to help the church really see that Christ is the source of this whole thing. And, and, and by God's grace through you, his working through you has been a real encouragement, a real aid, a very big support to me. And why I think this is so critical and so really big and important that we kind of understand this is because if it gets flipped, if you come to church or if you've been around church circles or you've been in the community of God and you without realizing it start to think that each other is the source, your small group is the source, that pastor is the source, that brother, that sister, that uncle, that auntie, that mom, that dad, that individual is the source of your strength and your faith, it's going to be drastic. It's going to be deadly drastic. And at the same time, it's, it, you know, even though Paul has this very secure theology of, I just need Jesus, he doesn't seem to have this attitude, so I don't need you. And we're going to see that through the letter. You know, um, Christ is the source. And, and by God's grace, when Christ is the, the source, the church becomes a supernaturally awesome support system. But you can have the best, most awesome, gnarly support system in your life. You can have the best small group leaders, the best accountability prayer partner in the world. But if Christ ain't at the center, 
you can wear each other out real quick, real fast. That's going to fall apart like that. That is not church. That's a social club. If you remove Christ from the center of this, no matter how cool you think people are at church, no matter how cool you think this is, it's not going to amount to nothing. And Paul tries to help the church really see that tonight, and I hope that we can do that. So let's pick it up at verse 10. He says this, I rejoiced, and I love it. He says it again. He's not just stoked. He's stoked in the what? In the Lord. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. He could have just said, I rejoice in you. I'm thankful to you. He doesn't do that. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. That now, now here's a, a good word to know at length. Or you do the word study at last. Meaning, I haven't heard from you folk for a while. It's been a bit since you bros have, I've heard from you. Now this is important to know, and I'll, and, and, and I'll come back to that. That you revive your concern for me. But then he says, really, but it's indeed, you were concerned for me. I'm not saying you don't care about me. I haven't heard you from you for 10 years, but hey, I'm not saying you don't care about me. That is some gracious talk right there. And then he says this, Isaiah pointed this out. And I, I know it's because you had no opportunity. Let's, let's linger on this for a bit. I want us to see this. Paul is grateful to God for the support of other believers. Okay? Paul's grateful to God for the support of other believers. Now, sometimes I think, and I've experienced this even in my own soul, like we're the opposite sometimes. We're more like, I'm more shame if other believers are concerned and worried about me. Like you kind of err, maybe you err more towards a like, ah, nah, it's okay, I'm good. I, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to know about my problems and my issues. I don't want to be a burden to you. And um, if someone were to try to offer you help, you'd be kind of, no, it's okay, it's okay, I'm good. You ever felt like that or thought like that or even interacted with some like that? Look at Paul. He's not at all like that. He says, I'm grateful to God. I thank the Lord that you guys care about me or thinking about me. When it says rejoice in the Lord, he's saying, I'm greatly delighted. I'm stoked. God uses other believers to support and encourage, and you ought to be grateful to God. Remember, don't stop and don't give glory to the giver, the person. Like if any of you have been blessed by me in this life, just personally, I, my hope and prayer is that you see it was from God. You know, Pastor Johnny and I have been kind of throwing this sentence back and forth at each other where, you know, we were talking outside and he, and he's, or we were in here or wherever we were, and he's like, wow, you're the man. And then he's like, no, 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 I mean, you know, you're not you're the man, like, you know, just you're, and he's like, you're his man. You're his man. And I was like, bro, yeah, I'm his man. You know, like, and just so that we know, like, we're not trying to give glory to each other. It's like, we, we, we thank the Lord for, his, for using each other to bless each other, but it's healthy to remember that it is God at work through the individuals. We're going to see a lot of the, the healthy relationship of a giving and receiving community and how it all ends up in the glory of God. And that our sufficiency in Christ doesn't mean, okay, I don't need any of you then. And when some of you don't come through, I'm not going to be all like, whatever, you don't care anyway. Because I want us to see this. Look, it says, at length. 
10 years. Can you imagine you send someone a text message, they don't text you back for 10 years? Or you give someone a call and then they call you back. We get irritated if someone doesn't even text us back within the next 10 minutes. It's like, and then all of a sudden in your heart, you're thinking they're mad at you. They hate you. They don't like you. Look at Paul. He could have been so salty Paul. It's like he could have been like Epaphroditus is, comes through and whatever. And, he's, and he could have been like, wow, now, thanks. I'm in jail. And oh, oh, you're not even feeling good, Epaphroditus? You know what? Just go home already. He could have felt and thought like that. Don't you think? Don't we think like that towards one another? You get irritated. And you just, it's so, what I love about the Apostle Paul, when the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ really took root in his heart, he had this grace towards the church and he communicates it well. You know, if you study the book of Timothy, in the end of his letters, he writes at the very end, he starts listing all these, these brothers and sisters in Christ and he mentions, I think I even wrote it down here, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15 to 17, you can write it down, but he says this, at my first offense, no one came to stand by me. All deserted me. Now look at what he says right after this. May it not be charged against them. Why? Because Paul knows it's not that simple. If someone didn't text you back for a day or two, dude, life, circumstances of life, things happen. Don't be so simplistic to start to jump to the conclusion that nobody in the church cares about me. Oh, that small group leader said they care. They don't care. They didn't call me back. They said they would. Oh, that, oh Christian, huh? Christian, forget this then. I'm gone. And they leave Christ. No, I want us to see what, how Paul is seeing this. There's this grace and this forgiveness. And, you know, in Timothy, they didn't even come through. They didn't even show up. And he says, I don't charge it against them. And then he says this, the Lord stood by my side and he strengthened me. Sounds very similar to what he's going to say to the church of Philippi. I can do all things through Christ who strength. He knows the source of his strength is Christ. It's not these brothers and sisters. And even if they let me down, even if they didn't come through, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I believe any man being Christ, he's a new creature. Old is gone, new is come. I really believe that he has concern for me, that he really does care because Christ is in him. Not because of him. Not because Chris is cool or because Chris is a guy that does call back. No, it's because Chris has Christ in him. That's why I'll give Chris the benefit of the doubt. I'll forgive him when he didn't show up at my graduation. I'll forgive him when he didn't come through here or whatever, you know? And I ought to have that same gracious attitude towards everyone in the family of God. This is so cool to see. He's like, dude, it's been a long time, but I'm just so grateful to God that you even showed up. And I know it's not because you don't care. He says, no, you, do, you are concerned. Oh, if we could believe like that in Christ in one another. You know, in Philippians, it took a long time. At the time in Timothy, when he's writing the letter to Timothy, bros didn't even come through. And yet Paul knows Hey, I don't hold it against them. I love them. And I believe they love me. But Christ is my strength. 
He's grateful for the support of other believers, but he's very keen to communicate that it's just support. And I love that Paul sets an example of a believer that receives their support. In this text tonight, Paul's not the primary giver, he's the receiver. And I would, I really believe in our church, in this room, maybe in this, right now in your, in your seat, maybe there's just so much pride there that you don't want to receive support or help from anyone. I mean, you're here, but then if anyone were to kind of approach or want to engage or offer assistance, you, you incline more towards the, no, nah, I think I'm okay, I'm good. Like, like, really, thank you, though. Thank you so much. And you were very polite, like, thank you so much, but I'm good. Paul is not like that. And he doesn't use the argument, all I need is Jesus. Because he does say, all I need is Jesus. And I'm so thankful for the believers who are supporting me. All through his letters, he says, pray for me. Please pray for me. Oh, you came through. Thank you so much. Even if it's been a while. You didn't come through. It's all good. It's all good. I don't hold it against you. That's such a healthy, Christ-centered attitude. And I hope and pray that if we have any other attitude, because, hey, man, I pray that by God's grace, if, if that attitude has been causing division, in your friendships, in the church, whether it's a believer here or at another gathering or at another church, and in your heart you just have so much bitterness and resentment because you've drawn this conclusion that they don't care, they're not concerned, I hope this ministers to you. Don't be so simplistic. Life isn't always that easy. It's not always like that. I've had many times in my life where I, I just naturally think the worst of someone, and it's a brother in Christ. And then if I took the time to really pray and reach out and connect with the, the guy or the girl, it's like, it wasn't even like that. Satan's looking for those footholds. He wants us to think the worst of one another when it's not even like that. May we be grateful for the support that is in this place. That's something that's beautiful, and I'm so encouraged when I hear what God's doing among us and just how brothers and sisters in this place are really they're showing up, and they're just wanting to support each other. You're concerned about each other. You really do care. I just would want to even plead for this. Believe that people in this room care about you. Believe it. If Christ is in them, and if the opportunity presents itself, like he said, you just had no opportunity. And then they got the opportunity and boom, they hopped on it. And if the opportunity presents itself for us in this church to get into a discipleship thing, to get into a small group, to connect with a brother or sister that you've not yet done, if the opportunity is presenting itself, let's go for it. We need to learn to support each other. Right? Galatians 6. Carry one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. So anyway, Paul welcomes assistance. Um, even if it came a little late, he doesn't hold it against them. Uh, verse 11. Okay, now that I'm speaking of being in, not that, not that I'm speaking of being in need. So he's going to try to give some clarity now. I've learned 
in whatever situation, I'm to be content. I'm going to keep reading and then we'll come back. I've learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. I know when it's a bummers. <laughs> I know when life is hot and I know when I'm on the mountaintop. Things are abounding. In any and every circumstance, I have, here it is again, I've learned the secret. Oh, this is a jewel. This is a secret you want to learn in this life. This is a precious secret. Paul's saying, I've learned this. Facing plenty and hunger. Abundance and need. And then he says that famous verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul learned that Christ is the source of his contentment and strength. Now, the first word I want to really look at, I learned it. It's a word that means to you increase in knowledge and realization by use and practice. It's not just, oh, I heard it in a sermon. I listened to it on YouTube and it made sense, so therefore I have it. No, this is a learning and engaging. It's a life lesson. If there's anyone that knows a little bit about pain and suffering and trial, I think it's Paul. Let me just spit some stuff from other verses. Second, Second Corinthians, let me just give you a little bit of Paul sharing about the, 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 the tough stuff he's gone through. Uh, Second Corinthians 6, 4 to 5, it says, Great endurance, afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. Second Corinthians 11, he says, five times I've received hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, meaning he got lickings, he got whippings. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and local people, it's not that kind of stone, okay? This is another kind. Once I was stoned, rocks pelted at me. Okay, once. He's like, oh, one time I got stoned. It's like, oh my gosh. After the five times lashes, three times beatings, it doesn't stop there. He says, also I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I was adrift at sea, lost at sea. Man, this guy's had a life, huh? It's not done. Okay. He says, um, frequent journeys, danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. I told you, you could be a rapper. You should write a song right here. And the title would be what? Danger. Verse 27, in toil and hardships through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of the anxiety they have for all the churches. With all that on me, all that experience of pain, there's also that pressure of like, I'm just so concerned and burdened for the churches and how they're doing. Now, then you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says these crazy words. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. He's talking about a thorn, another pain, another issue that he's going through. And then he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am 
tent. What? That's a breathtaking list of pain that any natural human being probably would have pulled the plug already, couldn't handle. Remember what does he say in Philippians? I've learned to be content. And when he said in every and any situation, that's the list he had in mind. Can you imagine when he's writing that and all those moments of pain and trial and betrayal flooding his mind? I mean, the more we talk, you know, even just with, with what's going on in your own life right now, Think of all the things that bog your mind down. All the things that consume you. And he's talking sleepless nights. You had nights recently, you just can't sleep. Filled with so much fear and paralyzed with anxiety of circumstances of life and situations in your own family, in your own home, in your own mind, in your own heart. And you're swirling in this emotion of just chaos. Don't you want to be able to say, I'm content. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've learned something in this life that come what may amidst whatever the trial and the pain and the circumstance, I'm sure this crazy list, if we were to keep adding on to it in every and any situation, in all circumstances, high, low, mountain, mountain high, valley low, whatever it is, COVID-19, crashing economy, tottering governments, just nutsness. You can add whatever you want to the list. And then Paul would also say, well, I learned the secret of contentment. And then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul has learned in his life that Christ is the source of everything. He's the source of life itself. He is life. He's the source of love. He's the source of faith. He's the source of his strength. That's why when, even if they didn't come through for 10 years, it's all good. Christ strengthens me. Right into Timmy. The boys didn't even come through. It's all good. The Lord stood by my side. He gave me strength. That is a jewel and a gem. You, if you've never tasted that, that's the big question you need to wrestle with tonight. Do you know that? Do you know a peace that surpasses all understanding that guards your heart and mind? Do you know a contentment in Christ? Do you know it? And not the knowledge of just, oh, I get it when I read it. It's like I know it and I feel it and I live it and I believe it. And you can see it in my eyes. You can see it in the way that I, 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 I do relationships here. You can see it in my marriage. You can see it in the way I parent. You can see it in the way I pastor. You can see it in everything, every relationship. I want that so bad. I've been praying. I want it like this. And it's, it's going to, we got to learn it. No shortcuts to this, guys. We must learn this. If there's a prayer you pray tonight, I pray that you pray this. Lord, teach me this. I want to learn what it is to be content in Christ. Notice that it's not content in him. He's not, he's not content in his self-sufficient, self-righteous self. He covered that already. Chapter 3, right? His self-righteousness is rubbish. 
Because some people and some maybe even professed believers will say, no, I'm good. And when they say I'm good, they mean I'm good. I'm going to do me. I'm just fine. I'm content with me. That's not what Paul's saying when he says he's content. He's saying I'm Christ-sufficient, not self-sufficient. I'm sufficient in Christ. When I breathe my last and I leave this world to live as Christ, to die as I gain, is it far better? I'm going to stand before a holy God and he's he's going to welcome me because I'm in Christ. I'm found in him. That brings a soul so much peace. People are so scared right now. And they're scared of the wrong thing. What I pray gives us restless nights and burdensome and what keeps us up is not whether or not someone's going to contract the virus or whether you're going to be able to have enough money for the next year. What I hope and pray is that keeps you anxious and restless and causes you to lose some sleep is that your mom or dad or brother or sister or your coworker or your neighbor or your friend or your wife or your husband or your child, my son, he might die in his sin. That stirs me. That ought to stir us. That is what is the main concern, always. And, I, and we pray that we will learn this ourselves. You know, until you learn this secret, this amazing treasure that's in a jar of clay, until you're really you're sitting at the cross and you're just amazed that amidst all the sin you've committed in this life, all the debt you are you owe, you can't pay back, that God would freely cover that for from by His Son on the cross. Until you're sitting at the cross and you realize, oh my gosh, like what? And it floors you. And you believe that he so loved you that he gave his only son. And now that you're not going to perish, you're going to have everlasting life with him. Until that happens for you at the cross and you learn this contentment now in that, you rejoice that your name's written in the book of life. Until that hits your heart, until that hits home, Your evangelism is not What are you sharing with people? We must learn this. Beg the Lord tonight. Say, God, open my eyes. Help me to see Christ for who he really is. Come to Christ. Examine yourself. I mean, just ask, are you discontent? Are you not at peace? What does it take to knock you down? Is Christ everything? Is he your firm foundation? Verse 1, stand firm in the Lord. Paul learned this. Christ is the source. He's the cornerstone. He's the center. Whatever situation, every circumstance, all things, that's all the same Greek word. If Christ is not the source, if he's not the center, like I said earlier, 
all the support you get from other brothers and other believers, good community, healthy communities, it's going to amount to nothing. Colossians chapter 1 says this, it's in him all things hold together. If Christ is not the source of this membership, our discipleship, our friendships, if he's not the source of our marriages, if he's not the source of our parenting, falls apart. I think too often sometimes we, we place all the, all the pressure and expectancy on the support system. And we blame the support system. And when the support system falls through, you just, and then you blame God. But he was never the source. Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. God, help us learn this. Verse 14. So he's thankful that they came through to support. He's grateful to God. And he, but he redirects them. Like, okay, but just be clear on this. It's Christ who strengthens it. Christ is the source. And I've learned this. I've learned this secret. It took a lifetime to learn it. If, before we move on, if you are, you know, if you're going through something very difficult, very hard, and could whatever, it could, it could cancer, could be just, you don't know what your plans is for school, or there's a physical thing, or I, I don't know, there's, a, there's an issue with someone or something, like, it's, it's right now, if you're on a, on, a, on a low, you know where he says, like, I know what it means to be low, I always be higher, you know, like, poor or rich, you know, um, if, it's a, if it's a tough moment right now for you, it's part of the school that you're, you're in the school of the tough stuff now, all right? If you're in a space where you're just like, I'm loving quarantine, man. It's awesome, you know? Like, or you're, you're on that camp or that, your circumstances in life are great. You're in the school of that. It's the, it's the ups and downs in this life that is going to help you learn how to be content in Christ. Be, care, be careful. Learn. Learn this secret. And be grateful for the good and the bad through this life. Verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Okay, so I love those words because it's Paul is not saying, you know, I can do all things through Jesus, so I don't need you. No, he says, it's so kind of you to share in my trouble. I like that phrase, share in my trouble. Paul is such an example here. He lets other people share in his trouble. Do you do that? Growing up, naturally, I'm a very individualistic kind of guy. Even in sports, I was very individual. I was very, you know, it even bled into when I started getting into ministry. I just wanted to do things by myself. I'll get it done by myself. I got it. It's all good. You didn't, you're not there. It's all good. Whatever. No need. I got it. I just was like that. Uh, and naturally, I'm like that. God needed to teach me. It's not like that in the church. Not in my house. In this place, you support each other. You carry each other's burdens. You share in each other's trouble. It's going to take some humility, though, to do that. It's going to take some faith. 
just thinking even now in our generation, we were already a very individualistic generation, a very I'm a do me, you do you generation. And now that we have to be even more distanced, I'm praying hard for a miracle to happen in church. We share in each other's troubles. We get in each other's messes. Where did Paul learn that? Chapter 2, Christ. What, what, what did Christ do? Matthew chapter 9, he walked among the crowds and he saw they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. Then you know what he did? He got involved. He got dirty. He got on his knees. He got, he got into people's mess. He was down. I pray that spirit never dies here. I pray it never dies here. When Christ is at the center, when Christ is the source, this is the kind of community that happens. And we'd be willing to receive it. It was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no other church entered into partnership with me. We got to partner together. That's what, this, that's what church life is. It's life to life together, partners. Remember chapter one? Partners of the gospel, partakers of grace. We're together on this. So I like in his letters, he, he says that, you know, it's from me and Timmy. You know, like, you rarely ever, if ever, see Paul isolated in ministry in his, in his journey with Christ. He's always with someone. Actually, you study any, you follow any believer in Christ in this thing. There, there's always, they're always in community. But isn't that what you want? Don't you want to have that in these friendships here? Brothers and sisters that you know, like, when it came down to it, if you're in trouble, if you're locked up, you got a flat tire, you got a zit, and you're freaking out, you just need a bro to sit with you and just cry over that pimple that's right in the middle of your unibrow and you have a date coming out. So I, just, I don't know, like, so whatever the trouble is, little troubles, big, big troubles, you know, like, just you have family here that's concerned. People to rejoice with and mourn with. That's what the church is. He says, in giving and receiving, except you only, even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs. Once you did this back in Thessalonica and you're doing it again now with Epaphroditus. Christ is the source and the church was the support, but just we must never mix, uh, flip the two. Never, ever, ever forget that. And these giving and receiving relationships, because right now like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, but I am also, I want to receive. We all need it. That's why, I, you know, one of the big blessings that I do believe God's placed in my life is to have a brother and Pastor Johnny, and Pastor Bob, and, you know, recently we've just been marveling and talking about the beauties of just having a plurality of leadership like that. It's just so good to just, I need to receive. I need to be poured into. We all need that, whatever role we are in the body of Christ here. All of us need that. This give and receive, give and receive. And the beautiful thing is when Christ is the center, he gets all the glory. Because even if I'm receiving... I thank God that God's giving to me through you. I'm not going to stop the glory on the person. 
That's why Pastor John is like, you're his man, you know? Not you the man, because you know you're not the man. I know. <laughs> you're his man. We, and and it's, it's good. And, and even if you're the giver, you know that you take no, like as if you saw something, because you know it's, it's Christ that's working through me. But if Christ is not the source, you take Christ out of this community right now, and all of the, the stuff we do for each other, like all the good works that we do and we have each other's, you know, we do stuff for each other, it's all going to be just dependent on the individuals. That's what I love about church, Christ's church. It's all Christ, and he gets all the glory. And which is why I think he says what he says next. Verse 17. And not that I seek the gift. So I'm not, I'm not, I thank you for your support. And I'm so stoked you guys came through. But I'm just telling you, it's not about the money for me. It's not that I'm seeking your gifts. It's like, I'm not trying to juice more out of you. I'm not trying to be a leech to you, Philippians. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to peddle this gospel to get you to give me more stuff. And I'm not even talking to you in a way where I'm like, oh, thank you so much, Philippians. You're the best. All these other church stuff, but you are, you just have been constantly pouring out, you know, your support and good. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it coming. That's not how he talks. Where's his focus? I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Look at these words. I seek the fruit. This is what I'm after. Fruit. Your credit. That word study for credit, logos. That's interesting. I see fruit, abounding harvest from logos for you. Fruit of righteousness. I want to see you grounded in Christ, growing. Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, he talks about that. The fruit of righteousness. This is what I'm after. I'm not, I'm not wanting your money and your stuff. Thank you for it, though. It's really encouraging. But I want you Philippians to see that what you're investing in is something eternal. See, what's crazy about the church is when we really get this and we're really Christ-centered and we start to have these vibrant give-and-receive relationships, the, the way we invest in each other's lives, we're investing in something that's going to matter 10,000 years from now. I'm not just buying a meal for someone. I'm not just picking someone up. I'm not just watching someone's kids. I'm not just giving of time. We're not just giving of our money. We're not just doing these things because we're cool like that. That's not church. That's not Christianity. We're doing it because Christ lives in us. And we're doing it because we're investing in each other. And we're investing in, some, in something that matters. It's going to matter way, 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 110,000 years from now. What we're seeing right now in this text is Paul and this church, they're invested in each other. He supplied me well. Thank you. I received that. Question, do, 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 you, do we even think of investing in each other? And how? Does it affect your wallet? Does it affect your time? You read the book of Acts. They were invested in each other. But they were invested in something eternal. It wasn't just they were a cool clique. 
And they were like a gang that we just have each other's backs because that's how we roll. No. We learn this from Christ who gave his life. He sacrificed himself for me. He forgave me when I was so at hatred with him. So if my brother and sister offends me, I can forgive them. And I'll invest in time in them and her and him and my church. They're investing in each other and they're investing in something eternal. And when they do that, when, they, when, we pour each, when we pour ourselves out into each other's lives, look at what happens. My God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You pour yourself out for a brother and a sister, God will pour himself into you. He'll supply. He's going to come through. He'll fill you up. We just keep investing and pouring out into each other, and God keeps pouring it into us. That's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a crazy thing to be a part of an experience, and I think God's starting to do that here. When you taste it, when you taste the riches of the glory of Christ Jesus, and it's all, oh, man, you know what happens? John Piper says it like this. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. What happens when we start to really, he's the center, he's the source, and he's flowing, our cups are overflowing, and we just flowing onto each other. Guess who gets all the glory? God. No one person can take credit for that. Every good and little thing that I've been or done in this life for a person, I can take no credit for that. That's all Christ in me. If you met me before Christ was in me, I would, I would have nothing to do with you. And even if I tried, it'd probably be for me. Christ changed Paul. Christ changed me. Christ changed sinners. And this is what happens. A church is born. And God gets glory. That's why he finishes the letter right there. He says, verse 20, To our God and Father, the glory forever and ever. Amen. Church's support. Christ is the source. This give and receive relationship, you start to see how it works. Investing in one another. God gets glory. A question I asked myself just real plainly, you know, before this, it was just like, God, are you getting glory at our church? Or is a, a person or a, a, a ministry or a personality or a group of individuals, are they getting glory? Who's getting glory here at New Uwanu, God? Are you getting the glory? We got to pray like that. To God, Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. God gets all the glory in a church like this. A church where Christ is at the center. And then he finishes the letter and we'll finish here. I like this, man. Verse 21, so greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Paul is so into the in Christ Jesus terminology, yeah? But greet, welcome kindly, happily, salute, embrace, send aloha. That's what it is. To the brothers who are with me, greet, oh, the brothers who are with me greet you, and then Sovereign pointed this out. 
All the saints greet you. And he says, especially those of Caesar's household. Paul's in Rome in prison. Remember in chapter 1? He's locked up. Hey, it's all good, man. Because even the prisoners getting saved. <laughs> or even the, even the soldiers who are locking up, they're getting saved. You know what's so epic? Can you imagine this Philippian church reading this letter? And it's like, oh, we get brothers and sisters at Caesar's house too. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the effect that I think Paul was hoping they'd have. Like, guess what? And we got brothers and sisters at Caesar's house. And it would be like, what? No way. Not even at Caesar's house. That's like epic. The places you would least expect it. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Show special affection for your family and the faith. I hope and pray that when we see each other, you light up. You see a text message from one another, it's like a jolt of, <laughs> yeah. You can't fabricate those things. That's why he says it's in Christ. It's fun to imagine how Jesus greeted people. Can you imagine what it was like how Jesus greeted Peter, James, John, all the little children? I don't know. It's just fun to imagine. And then know this as we greet each other. Like, you know, we have, you have brothers and sisters in the faith tonight. You look, you look around, and if there's people here in Christ, you're going to know them a thousand years from now. And, you know, it's just a cool thing to realize, too. I think Paul wanted them to see this in his letter. The family is growing. This, this gospel is advancing. You can't stop it. I got brothers and sisters in every neighbor island in Hawaii. That's just dope to think. I could drive to Waianae. I know I got brothers and sisters somewhere over here. You know? We got brothers and sisters in the White House. It's like Caesar's household. You just got to just think like that. Just, that's an amazing thing. In the places of the earth where you think it could be least penetrated, we got brothers and sisters coming home. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. You and I, in Christ, we're a part of a rich family heritage. Thank the Lord for that. We're done with Philippians. I pray that as we close this book and get ready for the next, there would be a sense of, let's, let's really internalize these things. Um, you know, as we worship tonight, I, I, Pray prayers, deep prayers. God, teach me. I want to learn the secret of contentment. I'm in a situation right now, Lord, and okay, what are you trying to show me? How, how like, just be, be my support, be my strength right now, Lord. And you know what? I have not opened myself up to get support from brothers and sisters. How do I do that? How do I be a support? I'm not giving, and yet maybe I'm not receiving we all need that. We all need to be poured into and we all need to pour out. It's just how this works. But we always remember Christ is the source. He is the source. So anyway, as the Spirit leads, pray, think, um, when we sing, when we worship. Um, and and if, if God's given you, so, he's putting something on your heart, an idea, more than just write it down, I would really urge just respond. Do something. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. 
And like I prayed earlier in the beginning, God, if, if we have yet to know you as the source of our strength, as the source of our, our righteousness, God, I pray that we would come to you this evening. We'd repent of our sins. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all, by nature, were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But it was God who was rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ, and it is by grace that we are saved. So please, Lord, we all come to you this evening saying, be the source, be the center, be enough. And by your grace, as you surround us with brothers and sisters in Christ, support each other. Be there for one another. I pray that in heart people would forgive and show grace towards brothers and sisters who maybe they've already, you know, they just put up a wall or they've maybe judged too critically. However, and whatever you need to do, do it now, do it tonight, and do it here. Let us be the church that the scriptures talk about. Thank you again for this precious book. We pray this in Jesus' name.